Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yeah, okay, so today, uh, this is not April Fool's, okay? And I'm going to be telling you a couple of things going on, not just in the news. But let's look at science-based decisions versus fear-based decisions. Now, I I posted a, a quote for this group I'm with. And listen to this. It's by John Kramer. The people's silence is a tyrant's greatest advocate. The less captives talked, the less they knew. The less they knew, the more they feared. The more they feared, the more easily others could manipulate them to their own ends. And the more easily the captives could be controlled. Wow. Welcome to America. Okay, now this is not April Fools, this is a day after, but it's going to think that you're going to think that you are crazy, that this is George Orwell's 1984. Currently, forced medical procedures without informed consent. This is forced vaccinations. We're going to go over is that based in science, fear, or ignorance, or, you know, just psychosis. Now, medical exemptions are being taken away. Now, every state has medical exemptions. Now, the pharmaceutical industry is in deep trouble if they take away all exemptions. So they have to maintain medical because if they take away all exemptions, then they're 100% responsible. This way, if they maintain that they do have an exemption, then you can... um, you can be told that you should have opted out. Okay, well, medical doctors are getting uh, brought up by charges. They're brought up by boards for signing medical exemptions. So now, no longer will medical exemptions be done by medical doctors. The doctor can do it according to a state form, but the state public officer, health officers will be reviewing their documents. And if they don't conform... Okay, then they will not be allowed. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so the doctors no longer have that. Now, get this. You could have someone with full-blown AIDS coughing and spitting up blood. You could have someone full-blown hepatitis. Um, You can have, you know, criminals. You can have every type of, you know, someone with tetanus, full-blown, walking around in public places, and they're not banned. However... Those that are not vaccinated are banned. Now, there's an entire religious group back in New York, and this is where they're banning people with uh, not an appropriate vaccine status to what they're judged from public places. Now, they have a religious belief that the body is self-healing and self-regulating and that they don't want vaccines or a foreign object in there. I I think that's more science-based than forcing people with vaccines, and today I'm going to present data according to that. However, these people are banned from public places, and that means that they can't go out. Can you see this? An entire religious group banned. Has this happened before? Yes, it has. Now, you will need to show proof of your vaccination to attend school or work. The government will decide on what vaccines you receive. There is no informed consent for adults or children. That's right. Um, And there is no liability for any of the vaccine manufacturers. Let's say they make a mistake and they make a hot lot. Okay, uh, can't be sued. And the adult vaccine schedule will be starting to be enforced 2020-2021. Now, currently in California, a minor can consent, and this is a minor of 12 years old, can go into any medical doctor and order any 
um, vaccine. That's right. So parental rights are taken away. And in fact, if your child isn't vaccinated and becomes sick, then the um, child services can come in and remove the child because you're a bad parent. So the government has taken over. And again, this isn't 84, 1984. This isn't April Fool's. This is real. Now, California has passed the first mandatory adult vaccine bill. Now, this was passed in September 2016. That's when it went into force. And this means every worker, every volunteer, that means if you're a parent and you want to volunteer at your child's school, guess what? They have to check to see if you're um, immunized against uh, influenza, pertussis, and measles. Now, okay, okay, this is the law. But if you know the facts that if you get pertussis, you actually increase your risk of multiple sclerosis, the pertussis B, it actually increase your infectiveness, and you shed the living virus of measles and pertussis um, for about 90 days. So these things are based in fear, not facts. Now we also have uh, SB276, and this is... Um, by by one of the most ignorant evil people on the planet, Senator Pan, and I've got data to back that up. That's not an opinion. Okay, he is promoting either he's completely ignorant about the medical science, um, and hopefully that's the best case, or he's absolutely aware of the damage that this stuff does, and he's taken away your personal rights. Um, that would be evil. So we have two choices, and ignorant is our best hope for this uh, this guy. So let's look at this. Uh, SB 276 says it takes away authority from the medical doctors to give their medical um, uh, exemptions. And it has to be done by a standardized medical exemption request form. So And it's going to be statewide. And this means that the doctor can no longer be a doctor. So they can go in there and say, look, you know, you've had a relative with an injury. You're hypersensitive to certain foods. I think that the vaccine schedule, a modified one, would be more appropriate. Nope, can't do that. Doctors can no longer be doctors. Now this state public health officer will be there. And so is this, is this psychosis? Well, let's look at Rockland County, Ed Day. Now, here's a genius. Okay, he's banning unvaccinated kids from public places. Now, uh, <laughs> it's a six-month ban. Okay, then he says parents will be held accountable if they're found to be in violation of the State Emergency Act. Uh, we're urging them then. We're, it, this is his quote. We are urging them once again, now with the authority of law, to get their children vaccinated. Um, Mr. Day tried to downplay the fears of police checkpoints and random checks for vaccine status. He also stated that any parent not found in compliance with the emergency order would be referred to the district attorney's office for possible prosecution. Yes, this is not April Fool's. This shit's really going on. Okay, now, um, of course, there's forced Again, our Constitution is gone by right now. It, if you're not, our inspectors have begun to meet increasing resistance from those that are trying to their protect. Um, uh, I, I, I got to take a breath because to read this, I'm getting really upset. Okay, um, 
their forced home visitations. That's right. Medical officers are coming to your home without a warrant, forcing themselves in the home. And if you don't let them do that, they have authority to take away your children. And this is not just in New York. This is all throughout America. So that little thing, the Constitution, uh, it's no longer viable. Now, here's interesting. There um, was a question by a reporter during the press conference when Day was um, deciding to ban people from public places. Uh, another question posed by reporters was, why the ban included children only, when obviously adults in the community are also not fully vaccinated with the MMR, or had been vaccinated many years earlier, where the vaccine would have worn, or, worn off by now? Now, that was either a brilliant um, sarcastic question to, or to show the futility and ignorance of banning children that aren't vaccinated, um, or it was a plant to say, hey, look, let's force this on all adults. So we're going to go through now, okay, in the next, the, the rest of this show and tonight on, on Facebook and in our YouTube with facts, data, and science. Everything I'm going to present <clears throat> is off the National Institute of Health or the CDC website or reputable journal articles. This is not an opinion. First, let's look at herd immunity. Herd immunity has to do with wild infection, not vaccination. And this was published in American Journal of Epidemiology in 1933. Uh, and this was done by A.W. Hedrick. And he found that when 68% of children had gotten wild measles, that, and this is 15 years or under, that measles epidemic cease. And that was herd uh, 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 immunity. Now, we have epidemics occurring in populations of 90 plus percent. We've seen uh, measles epidemics in China where they have 100 percent. Why? Because the, the consistent vaccination causes the immune system to get weaker. Now let's look at the FDA.gov site that talks about the effects of the vaccine, not the side effects, the effects. Quote, this is off of the measles vaccine insert, the one that Day is forcing our children to get. Now, remember, if you're forced to get a vaccine and on the package insert, it says this, quote, there have been reports of subsclerosing panencephalitis in children who did not have a history of infection with the wild type of measles, but did receive the measles vaccine. Some of these cases may have resulted from unrecognized measles in the first year of life or possibly from the measles vaccine. That is subsclerosing panencephalitis. This is inflammation in the brain that can kill you. Uh, now, don't worry if your child is vaccinated and is killed by the vaccine. They, um, can, they can't go to court, but they can go to the special master, and it may take a while. And they, if, if the special master, because you can't fight the vaccine companies, uh, you can just, uh, our taxes will pay for the death or damage from the child. And again, this is what's really happening today. Now, you may be familiar with Hawley's Law. Now, this is from New Jersey. Uh, this was passed in 2004, 
and it was over the concerns of children getting the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. This five-year-old girl gets a shot, her second shot, and dies of encephalitis, exactly what the shot says it can cause on the package insert. And Holly's Law, which honors the memory of Holly um, Stavola, who died in the year 2000 after encephalitis listed on the vaccine injury table from the vaccine adverse event, which followed her measles, mumps, and rubella shot. So what Holly's Law is that you can go in there and get a titer, which means that you, they can show antibody response, and then you're safe. So you, Well, safe, you don't need to get the second shot. Uh, girl life died for that. Now, let's see... In science, Mr. Day, boy, if you were here, I would have a good talking to you, even with your New York accent. I know it could kick your ass. So getting is there any benefit from getting measles? Yes. Naturally acquired measles infection reduces non-Hodgkin's and Hodgkin's lymphoma, as well as hay fever, eczema, and asthma. It also a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. And it also, if mothers actually catch measles. They can protect their children. So we're seeing a massive rise in infants getting sicker and sicker because their moms aren't infected with measles. So we're having a double generation here that's negatively affected. Let's look at the Journal of Atherosclerosis 2015, Association of Measles and Mumps with Cardiovascular Disease. It turns out that if you have both infections, they were associated with a significantly lowered risk of mortality from cardiovascular disease, which is one of the leading killers. So by inadvertently um, decreasing the number of incidents of measles, are we increasing um, cardiovascular disease? Possibly. It would be nice to have a study instead of just having a fear-based response. Uh, we also have a study out of the Journal of Pediatrics. Now, these guys are very pro-vaccine. That's 90% of their business. Um, the, top, the title is Allergic Disease, Atopic Sensitization in Children in Relation to Measles Vaccine and Measles Infection. Conclusion, our data suggests that measles infection may protect against allergic diseases in children. Allergic diseases in children. Do you know how popular that is now? They have peanut-free days at ballparks because if a child smells it or, or, or tastes a peanut, some allergies are so extreme that they can die. Okay, so wouldn't that be nice to give them a benign childhood disease like measles? Um, and again, we've got uh, another article that turns out that the absence of maternal immunoprotection uh, can turn into can be attributed to the vaccination of mothers in the childhood vaccine schedule. What that means is by vaccinating women with the measles, mumps, and rubella, we decrease the incident of them catching the wild version. Of course, their incident of subsclerosing panencephalitis increases, and we're stimulating more of, and then they have greater risk of cardiovascular disease and not Hodgkin's lymphoma, but their risk of measles, okay, of acquiring it goes down. But now they can't pass it on to their kid. So vaccination took away the chance of many mothers-to-be to experience measles at a safe age and to pass that immunity on to their kid. How do we know? Well, let's look at the Journal of Pediatrics again. Increased susceptibility to measles in infants. Um, 
An increased proportion of infants born in the United States may be susceptible to measles because the vaccine programs that reduce transmission of measles to the general population uh, reduce the infant's exposure to measles. That's right. It turns out that by giving vaccines to the mothers, we're making the kids sicker. But now let's look at archives of internal medicine. Because of the failure rate of the vaccine and the unique transmissibility of measles virus, the current available measles vaccine used in single-dose strategy is unlikely to eliminate measles. The long-term success of a two-dose strategy to eliminate measles remains to be determined. Isn't that interesting? So we're experimenting on a population with a forced medical procedure that has known negative effects, known known negative effects, um, and we're negatively affecting a second generation. Let's just take a breather, okay, and get away from this Nazi mentality of forcing people to, to ban them from public places. Uh, what are the incidents? Well, I have a chart that shows the incidence of polio, measles, pertussis, tetanus, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, chickenpox, hepatitis B, and Hib before any vaccine was developed, and the death rates. So let's, let's skip anything else. Let's just go right for the death rates. And when we look at this, uh, fatality slash harm, so it's not just pure death rates, Polio, you're looking at more than 1 in 100,000. Um, measles, 1 in 500,000. Uh, pertussis, 1 in 77,000. So let's just look at those top three. Polio, you had a 99.999% chance of not being harmed. Measles, you have a 99.99998% of never being harmed. So that means that uh, more than 99% okay, will not be harmed by this, but you can develop a number of other conditions if you don't catch the wild measles. So in, in my world, I'm thinking, man, let's look at that less than 1% that actually got a negative response from the wild measles and find out what's negative with their immune system instead of force vaccinating everybody on the planet. Now, of course, people are saying, well, you know, we're just diagnosing autism better and neurologic damage. It's, it's just better diagnosing. And that would be true if you're completely ignorant of the Journal of Epidemiology, January 2009. Now, this was a study out of UC Davis, and they said, quote, it's time to start looking for the environmental culprits responsible for the remarkable rates in increase in autism. Right now, we're about 10 to 20 times more research dollars are spent on studies about genetic causes of autism than on environmental ones. Okay, that, what that means is they're so scared to look at the environment, to look at the vaccines, the, the medications, the Tylenol, the, the glyphosates. So now let's look at this author, Tetiana Okobajena. Uh, boy, her last name, I know I butchered that, but man, this is one of my heroines. I encourage you to get this article off of Green Medical Info. Um, the title of the article is Unvaccinated Children Pose No Extra Danger to the Public. And this is one of the most brilliant articles. Now, they, she is an, a PhD in immunology. She earned her PhD at Rockefeller University in New York, did postdoctorate training at Harvard and Stanford. 
So this gal knows. This gal knows. Uh, so she she actually did a journal article. Okay, and she did some research, and she asked the question. Do unvaccinated children pose a higher public health risk than vaccinated? Um, and and she goes through not only detailing out all the diseases, uh, but she in the risk, the benefit, this that. And she quoted: "People who have not received vaccines mentioned below pose no higher threat to general public than those who have." Um, implying that discrimination against non-immunized children in public school setting may not be warranted. So now she goes on to look at um, the polio vaccine. Um, and she states, and this is using valid scientific data, uh, the inactivated polio virus vaccine cannot prevent transmission of polio virus. Um, vaccinated for polio with the IPV cannot affect safety of public spaces. And then she also says, please note that while polio virus eradication is attributed to a different vaccine than our children get today, the oral polio virus vaccine, despite being capable of preventing wild polio transmission, the oral polio was phased out long ago in the U.S. and replaced by the IPV due to safety concerns. That's right. Now, we've done a number of our of talks on how the oral polio vaccine, which is still used in India and most of the rest of the world, developing nations, that it actually causes polio, and that's the same reason we stopped using it. Now, tetanus, part of the DPT shot, is not a contagious disease, so that can't, by getting a vaccine, make it safer. Uh, then we look at diphtheria. Diphtheria uh, vaccine, the toxoid in the vaccine, is not designed to prevent colonization or transmission of C. diphtheria. And in fact, vaccinating for diphtheria, not only can it not alter the safety of public spaces, um, it, it's intended for just personal use. But if you look at the data on that, that uh, diphtheria um, vaccine, it actually predisposes you to other types of, of, of transmission. It weakens your immune system. Then we get pertussis. Okay, and she details out this. The A pertussis vaccine is not capable of preventing colonization or transmission of B pertussis. In fact, the FDA has issued a warning regarding this finding. That means that if you get the pertussis vaccine, you actually are a carrier and can spread B pertussis. You're actually more infectious. Then she looked at pertussis variants meaning that people who are up-to-date are more likely to be infected and thus more contagious than people who are not vaccinated. And that was out of the 2013 meeting of the Board of Scientific Counselors at the CDC. So the CDC knows this. Uh, let's look at the Hib, okay? And this is Haemophilus influenza. Quote, the general population is more vulnerable to the invasive disease than it was before the start of the vaccine campaign. Discrimination against children who are not vaccinated for Haemophilus influenza do not make any scientific sense uh, in the era of the non-type BH influenza diseases. Okay, then she goes on to state hepatitis B is a bloodborne virus. 
um, further school administration is not prohibitive for children who are chronic HIV carriers. That's right. You can have full-blown hepatitis B, be a carrier, be in public places, and you're okay. No one's going to discriminate against you. Why? Because it's sexually transmitted in IV drug use. Uh, however, to prohibit school administration from those who are unvaccinated that don't even carry the hepatitis B um, is unreasonable and illogical discrimination. Now let's look at the cdc.gov site. Um, and they say that each child should have five DPT, three hepatitis B, four polio, uh, three to four haemophilus influenza. Now, our, now when I talked about Holly's Law, the second... MMR shot killed this little child and her reaction to it. And all that would have prevented that was to see if she had t blood titers. So treating each person as an individual. Does everybody need five DPT shots? Or what about one or two or three? Or how about individualizing care? Again, let's look at the CDC site when they talk about risk of a vaccine. The DPT shot serious problems. CDC site says long-term seizures, coma, lower consciousness, permanent brain damage have been reported even though these are extremely rare. They have an entire section on the CDC site about preparing questions for parents may ask about vaccines. Now one of them, and I'm going to go over this in detail, we're running out of time, I only have about five minutes left, but one of the questions uh, that a parent may ask Quote, can it harm my child to get several vaccines at one time? Does my child need all the vaccines recommend, recommended? The doctor can respond, there is no proven danger in recommending all vaccines today. Anytime you delay a vaccine, you leave your baby vulnerable to disease. It's really best to stay on schedule. Okay, now... That's okay from the CDC site because obviously they're not reading the literature. If you look at the Human and Experimental Toxicology Journal, um, and this is a report that went through the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System from 1990 to 2010. What did they find? Studies have not been conducted to determine the safety or efficacy of administering multiple vaccine doses in a variety of combinations as recommended by the CDC guideline. Let's look at other uh, questions that the CDC tells parents how to respond. A parent asks, do vaccine cause long-term side effects? Will getting a vaccine hurt my child's health? Turkin respond, we have years of experience with vaccine, and there's no reason to believe that vaccines can cause long-term harm. I understand your concern, but I truly believe that the risk of the disease is greater than any risk posed by the vaccines. Vaccines will get your baby off to a great start for a long, healthy life. Okay, now I just said believe twice. I thought the CDC was actually about science and not religion because when I look at this, the one reference that they have, they referenced a Lancet study in 1999 on autism, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, no epidemiologic evidence for causation. And I'm looking at this title and I'm scratching my head. Epidemiologic studies are not designed for looking at causation. So then I go to environmental health perspective, the commentaries and review, and they say epidemiologic studies are not designed 
to find causation. So they're referencing a study that can't possibly come to a conclusion that they come to a conclusion with. Then let's look at the National Institute of Health. These guys are sharp. They say that, and they did a summary on looking at the aluminum and MMR shot in autism. And what do they say? They say... um, This conclusion does not exclude the possibility that the MMR could contribute to autism in a small number of children because the epidemiologic evidence lacks the precision to assess rare occurrences of the MMR leading to autism. And the proposed biomodic models linking MMR vaccine to autism, although far from established, are not nevertheless not disproved. So that means they can't say it could, They can't say it can't because the study ain't designed for it. We're going to go through a number of different studies tonight, okay, that show that that the fear and base of vaccination protecting the population, and this is just to give rights back to the people. If it's 100% safe, 100% effective, then 100% of people still should have the choice. You should still have the choice. But to know that this medical procedure is not 100% safe, and it's so unsafe that the Supreme Court said vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, and there's no liability. You can't sue the company. So there's no um, responsibility of the company to to, um, (laughs) get personal liability or responsibly for their product. I mean, if you have a two-wheeled car without brakes, okay, and you crash, you can sue a car manufacturer. We're looking at multiple damages from a toxic product that your rights are being taken away. It's time we write our congressman. It's time we say no. Um, now that they're limiting from vaccination, they're going to force the adult vaccines too. Uh, this is becoming a crisis. Look at all the vaccine sites. They're censoring the anti-vaccine information. They're censoring the pro-science. Download the videos. Save them. Get ready for the future. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.